You're listening to This Is Ibrox, your Rangers podcast, brought to you by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them on 01453 Hello and welcome to your weekly edition of This is Ibrox, your Rangers podcast, the podcast of the champions and it's Scott Patterson back for another week. We missed last week of course due to international break but we're really pleased to be back again this week joined by our fellow podders. Tommy McIntyre joins us this week. Hi Tommy, how are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for asking. Nice to be nice to be here sitting down after the international break. Good to be back. And we're, we're, we're pleased to welcome back Robbie Halliday as well. Hi, Robbie, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yes, very well. Good Easter? Very good, mate. Very good. So, as I was telling you earlier, that was one of the daftiest units I did here today. So, glad to be sitting down and talking about something I'm actually interested in. Well, let's hope you're not feeling too flat on the podcast. That <laughs> was so bad. Oh, I, was <laughs> I, was, I was either going to go with that joke or, oh, well, given that it was international break, I'm pretty certain... Israel should probably turn up on this podcast. It's take a pick for either of them. They're both fun for it. This Ibrox Rangers podcast is brought to you by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them as soon as you can on 01453887179 or via email hello at hhhmortgages.com. You can get them via their website, triplehmortgages.com, and they're available the same detail on Facebook, HHH Mortgages. If you go on there and you mention them, speak to Craig, I mention my name or Tommy, indeed Robbie or Willie Boyd, the guys in there will look after you very well indeed. This week on the pod, we speak about the last five games of the season. Incredibly, mid-April, we're going to, we're going to be playing a, another big game against Celtic after the, the progression of the Cove Rangers Scottish Cup tie at the weekend, which is where we'll start. Tommy, 4 nothing. First half really had it all done and dusted. Very comfortable afternoon for Stephen Gerrard again. Yeah, significantly more comfortable than, than you doing that intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> You're very welcome. We need, work it in. we need to work it in every single week, Robbie. You need to, you need to jump in as well. Right? He looks at the pressure well every time, but he does. He delivers, it, it delivers uh, sponsors up and, down, up and down the country swooning every time they uh, deliver it. Deliver it. Um, <laughs> I, you know, Cove Rangers, God love them. They came, they came to play, and good, uh, a good experience for those boys. But yeah, it was, it was comfortable. I, I'm not a big fan of cliches at the best of times, but I mean, just had several extra gears. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it would have been a sort of less lively bank holiday if some. You only watch those games. It's, it's like Formula One. Some people only watch it for the, the accident. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of people, not not me. I'm like, maybe wanted that. It's like, 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 I do not watch Formula One for the accidents. I I just don't watch Formula One because it's the most boring thing in the world. But um, and the car doesn't work, and the driver gets all the money. That's okay. Fair enough. Sorry. Yes. What was this podcast about again? I can't remember. Triple Eight Mortgages. That's. Hey, don't you start. You were in IKEA, right? You, you busted, <laughs> busted any credibility you had at the start of this. Um, 
Uh, yeah, it was comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robbie, Gerard gave starts to um, McLaughlin, Patterson, Bassey at the weekend. Arfield got a got a start in in the centre of the park as well. Um, Roof and Defoe was involved as well. Defoe got his thirtieth goal um, for the club at the weekend. Decent turnaround for a guy who's been brought up pretty much as a as a backup to to the existing squad, but. Um, he put himself around and Gerard spoke indeed post-match about how good he was in and around the training ground this week. I think as well, when you consider this, this sort of ropey start maybe ahead of his first four or five months, you, you forget that him and Davis, surprisingly, probably didn't start as well yeah. uh, in our readers as they went on to progress since then. But I, I thought it's weird because I was just about to say how I was pleased that we played such a strong team, but then you actually listed that we, we probably did make quite a few changes. But yeah. It's what we spoke about last week, where there's probably that sort of core 14, 15 players who you, you know play and you feel as though Gerard can rely on. And even though it was called Rangers, it was still a, a big game, so you didn't want to make kind of too many uh, sort of contentious, contentious decisions, which obviously I don't think it did. But I, I thought the ball looked really sharp because you know you can be playing against Cold Rangers, but if you're at that age and you've not played much football, then it would be sort of almost accepted. I feel like a wee bit rusty, but. The one that he did miss is one that you sort of see a, a film copy of his career that he would score, and the one that he scored is probably not one that you'd often relate with him. But what a goal, to be fair. Uh, whether you're playing against Scott Rangers or playing against you know, Celtic, if you score one for 25 yards out, then you deserve credit for it. But uh, through the players, he spoke about bringing in, I know we'll touch on them, but uh, like a Patterson, I thought was really good. Scott Wright, I think he's impressed a lot of people. Uh, the only one I thought would maybe see was Jack Simpson, but I'm not sure did he have a, a knock. I think. I think he, I think he picked up a knock during the week yeah. or to, to the latter part of the week certainly. Both him and Zungu had knocks. Yeah. Uh, so I think potentially maybe one or two of them would have played uh, if they were fit. But overall, it's don't always say it. It's what it's one of these games where I always think going at these games you almost can't win because. Even if you go and you win 2-0, but you don't absolutely squish them, you might get a bit of criticism. Players who haven't played much previously are getting watching more scrutiny. You're, you're hoping that they'll do something that's maybe a bit unfair on them. But I, I don't think anyone can have any complaints with, with the style we've done it in. The first 10 minutes, you thought we could be 50 up here. Is it going to be one of these games where it takes us maybe 50, 55 minutes before we do score, but ultimately we're pulling up at half-time. And after that, it's, I think you always see that. You're, you're almost anticipating, but we, we could come out here and win 10, but it's no, it's not always the case. But we still we still wrap the best right up. We still played some good football, so get get minutes into players. Like, before we were able to take Davis off at half-time, he was in a bit and played a lot of international football. So, spoke about it last week. Winning's a very good habit, and, and we've done that very comfortably. So, to do that and have no injuries, I think you can be very pleased. Tommy, back to Defoe, the one thing I, I, I really like about him, he's obviously 38 years old now, ages, he's certainly younger than you and I, just, he is younger than you, isn't he, 38? Uh, yes, he is younger than me, actually. Jeez. Don't look so surprised. Um, the, I was looking at myself on the camera and I was thinking, oh, I've still got it. Um, <laughs> um, if you look at, I, I bet if you were to look through the, the sort of history pages you would see Jermaine Defoe scoring a goal exactly like he did at the weekend 20 years ago he seems to have always kept himself in that sort of shape and he, he, he definitely has that clever goal scoring instinct wherever he is in the pitch he always has that quick wee turn and that that look up to, to see if he can get the ball on target. 
yeah, listen, you're absolutely right. It's uh, you know, depending on whichever coaching manual you maybe you maybe subscribe to or whichever philosophy, you get a variation of you can't teach the predatory instincts. You can teach finishing, you can teach a little bit of movement, but you can't teach that indefinable quality and that ability to make the quick turn and the rapid understanding within the box and stuff like that. Gold Rangers mistake, for example, is they gave him far too much space. Um, and the most combination of far too much space and him just being a couple of levels above the guys that he was playing against. And that's no criticism of those guys who are doing their, doing their best. But yeah, he is. He's a, he's a natural goal scorer. That's why I still maintain he's the best finisher at the club. Yeah. And I don't think that's a controversial point, right? And Alfredo Morelos will be doing very, very well if he manages to up his game finishing-wise and never get to the level of finishing that Jermaine Defoe has. Alfredo Morelos offers a hell of a lot more as well. Yeah, I'm not criticising Alfie there. I'm just saying, you know, different types of forwards. Um, and that's the intangible things that we always talk about, or the, the intangibles that come out when you're talking about Jermaine Defoe. You know, we're talking about 30 goals there, fantastic return from a guy who's been a bit part of, I think he did actually score in his debut down at Kilmarnock. He did, he did, I. That was the night we get beat 2-1, though. Um, uh, yeah. Jordan Jones maybe scored. Uh, um, remember, remember him? But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's always had that ability, but the intangibles are what he gives to the squad in terms of being around the bow, the training sessions, the ability to show how to look after your body's you know, physique and his, um, his fitness is incredible. And then his ability to help develop other players and as we've said before, I think I've said before as well, a top-tier professional like that who could get a starting berth somewhere, maybe not a top, top-tier club, but he could still be he could still be a number nine somewhere, starting number nine, if his body held out. Actually sitting in the dressing room or being around about Ockham Howie or whatever and not getting game time for stretches at, you know, at a time and not causing a fuss, that's a really key ingredient, ingredient um, in terms of, one of the reasons why Rangers haven't had a lot of bad press leaking out of the dressing room with people who aren't playing all the time. Yeah. Remember, probably not too long ago as well, you know, Rangers were bad for leaks full stop. And you can point your fingers at which players and which media staff you think that might have been. But you always tend to get this, um, lots of clubs and Rangers had it as well. Oh, I, my agent demands a move. I need to be playing or X, Y, and Z. Rangers don't get that. You're talking about top tier professionals. Yeah. And that's that's one of those intangible, undefinable qualities that's been really, really important in that kind of um, squad harmony that's driven us forward to to the championship. And then probably just another wee bookend to the end of that would be he's still got a large. This sounds a bit strange, but he's still got a large social media following as well. And actually, guys like Jermaine Defoe talking about how amazing it is to be at the club. And I think just just yesterday or today talking about loving every single minute of it and not taking it for granted and it's been a highlight of his career. That coupled with you know, the Stephen Gerrard effect and all that, you know, it can't be overstated what a social media presence means to a club in the modern age yeah. because it drives your digital impact. Remembering we're a digital, digitally native brand, I think is the terminology, uh, and therefore revenues, and therefore better balance sheet, therefore better players, you know, no need for soft loans. So you know, they'll come together. Bit of a longer... You know, drifting off answer there in terms of not just on the on the pitch, but having guys like that uh, off the pitch as well is probably a really helpful thing. And I think maybe that's just as equally important as Jermaine Defoe's goals. 
Robbie, your brother was obviously in and around the, the setup at the training centre over the last couple of years. I, I'd be curious to know if he's given you an inside track as to what it was like to, to work with someone who is a, a British football household name. See, to be honest, any kind of thing that he spoke, uh, anything he said about the four, anything you asked, any answer you got is probably nothing that would surprise you. It's everything you kind of hear the managers talk about, previous players talk about, our current players talk about. So the only thing, I would say that, the only thing I was actually surprised about was the fact that it was actually true that it did work with other strikers. See, when you're, I always think to me, you hear that, like, oh, like, I, I didn't have your Alaska player, or oh, it must be good working with that experienced striker, he must be helping you when you're finishing the stuff, and go, ah, it's brilliant, I'm like, there's no chance he's working his finishing, like, if you're 27, you're not getting a guy coming to tell you how to get him off, but, but he did confess to say, no, like, he's actually really good with Morelos in particular, like, I think you've seen stuff with him and Morelos, like, on the pitch and their Instagram yeah, yeah. and stuff, that they do kind of have a, a good relationship, and he actually backed it up by giving examples of times where, I don't know if he was going through a sort of, bad spell in terms of not getting a lot of goals or whatever it was and he would say that he actually would take time after training to like do stuff with him and I think he was very hands-on with youth players and stuff I think uh, Mabudi is yeah. one where I think he spoke about it on social media and stuff so again as I would say that it's nothing that surprises you all that much because it seems to come to that many different people and as Tommy was saying that I don't think you can underestimate how important that is uh, and there's no coincidence that, that Gerard has so much respect for me that he's played for he's played with him before and as I said everybody seems to be saying the same things about him and I don't think anybody plays at that level at 38 if they don't have a great attitude and a love for football uh, and the fact he's not able to bring out his own game but put on to others it, it shows that it's indispensable of that quality Just one thing sorry just to bookend that right and it's, it's not having a criticism of the other person I'm going to mention here right but we're talking about uh, Jermaine Defoe's upkeep and the fact he keeps coming back and his love for the game but he's also still able to do it yep. all the time and all of that comes from the fact that he understands his body and he takes it all really seriously and he lives his life in the correct manner and again I'm not criticising the other person I'm going to mention here but compare that from an age perspective and still able to do it to second iteration of Chris Boyd in a Rangers jersey yeah. Chris Boyd's right. natural finisher but come that second stint he was he was busted yeah. And, you know, I think he's on record as well saying he wasn't naturally looking after himself mm-hmm. and a couple of things caught up with him. Whereas Jermaine Defoe, by all accounts, is a bit of a cliche, but first in, last out when it comes to the gym and the looking after the body and nutrition and the massage room and all that kind of stuff. That's why you're still getting there. And that's why, to Robbie's point, that's why you can still hold the confidence of a Stephen Gerrard. See, for me, the, the surprise, like, I would actually thought, thinking back to when we were linked with them, um, was it 2018? I remember thinking at the time, look, what a signing that would be, like, huge name, but I can't imagine him coming up here if he thinks he's not going to play. And I thought, we play a four, we play with one out-and-out striker, yeah. and even though it's Jermaine Defoe, you're not playing him ahead of Morelos, because he's in his prime, He's done so well for us over the, the past couple of years. Yeah. So I remember thinking, like, I don't, I, I don't know if this is going to be one of these signings where, on paper, it looks incredible, but then when he comes in, it just kind of disrupts the balance a wee bit because you try and change the shape to accommodate him. You feel that pressure on playing him, but you've also got the pressure of playing the guy who's probably the most sellable asset. And I think that game you're talking about the one he scored at Kelly, we actually, I'm sure we played like a diamond that night. We did. 
Yeah. He scored Morelos, didn't he? I'm pretty sure Morelos didn't play great that night and we get beat 2-1 and you're like, is he going to now tie force to point a team? Is it going to disrupt things? And as I was saying, he actually didn't have a great sort of first six months. He's got our first, no six months, that's about a half speed. First couple of months anyway, probably was wasn't great. great. Yeah. Aye. So it was one of the ones, is this actually going to be one of these signings that on paper looks brilliant, everybody was buzzing, but it actually came into such a balance a wee bit. But two years on, he's still there, he's still having a great impact. And there's probably a, a decent argument to say he deserves another year for not just what he does on the pitch, but what he does off it as well. I, I think there's an argument for maybe not getting it, because I don't know what kind of financial, but I don't know what his wages are and stuff, but there's 100% a fair argument to say that he should get another anyway. So Tommy, Robbie's basically covered both bases there, saying that he would maybe give him a contract, but then maybe wouldn't for next season. So I thought I saw what he did there. I saw what he did there. <laughs> that, that, only means one, you know, that, that only means one thing. So I'm coming to you for that definitive answer. <laughs> well, I don't um, know if Robbie can hear me all the way up there on the fence. <laughs> do, do, we, um, do we give Jermaine Defoe a new contract or not? The money's right, yes. 100%. Robbie? See, that's why I said the financial aspect, because I don't know what kind of money he's wanting. But, see, I'm, I'm not actually all that sure. Really? Do you want to just go with your number nines being uh, 
like uh, Morelos and Defoe. Um, yeah, I get, I get the criticism there or the challenge of that. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody naturally ready to step up. So maybe you are looking at somebody else. The question does become, as Robbie said, if Morelos goes, you're having to invest big money on another signing in because again, I I think we've still got to see more from Kmart Roof. We've absolutely got to see more from Cedric Hitton. Um, again, not not a criticism of those guys, but depends how very much how they want to shape up at the top. I that's an interesting one because I, I actually think that Alfredo Morelos will be here come start of the season. So yeah, yeah. I absolutely. think I think as well. Just you're saying, but I think if again, I, I would I certainly would write him off or criticise him too much because he's appearances have been sporadic but I think if I had more confidence that Hitton could play a bigger part next year then I'd maybe have a different answer uh, in terms of if Morelos was to leave but I still think that, that he's to give it a wee bit more uh, than what he's currently shown which is why I think if Morelos uh, even sorry, even if Morelos stayed I'd maybe quite like to see him get an strike in which is why he'd naturally probably, probably uh, go the other way just because I don't think I've quite seen enough from him to be confident that he could be on next in line if Morelos was to, you know, be out for a couple of months, was to go for a bad spell or whatever. Because we obviously want to improve every year. Uh, and again, that's another thing that Gerard maybe sees stuff during the week that we haven't seen from him in a weekend yet. Maybe it looks great. Uh, and saying that maybe he's seen clips from him in Switzerland where he looks absolutely brilliant as well. So that's how... Just, it, it's very difficult to give a definitive answer when you don't know as much sort of detail as guys like Gerard and McAllister do. Yeah, there's also a kind of a, a final layer to that, um, which is, and it's not just at the, the forward options, it's all the way through the team. Because a couple yeah. of players you need to look at there as well, which is, and we're going to have to ask, well, the management's going to have to ask themselves tough questions. As a support, we're going to have to ask ourselves tough questions when we're sitting in the pub, if we're ever allowed to, and, and having conversations, which is, where in the squad needs upgraded if you want to have a tilt with the CL. Yeah. Is this a good squad at EL level? Yeah. Do, does, do we naturally feel, and I'm not asking us to go through the squad right now, but do we naturally feel that like every single member of that squad is ready for a Champions League um, performance? <clears throat> I'm not entirely well, convinced that's the case. I think as well, like, well, we're digressing a big team, but I like it. I like it. But you're talking about new Robin, slowly. I've been talking to you for so long. But I think that. Where I've thought about the four previously is he's in that. See, when you actually look at our squad, we must have quite a high average age. When you think of a, a goalkeeper, it's 38, 39. A back four, I think Barisic is 28. Golson must be about the same. Calander's about the same. Davenley is the same. Our midfield, Davis, 35. Our field, 32, or whatever, I'm not too sure. Uh, obviously Ryan Jack's late 20s so he's, still, he's in his prime but he's still in his late 20s uh, and then you're talking about Defoe I think Roof's his late 20s so we're probably a, a wee bit not, not an aging squad right, by any means but I think that it's natural for us to sort of look at a succession plan almost is what I'm getting at so yeah. I definitely think there's scope there we've done bro- we've, we've, we've won the league this season and I think that gives us a wee bit of scope to have a wee bit of succession plan, which all, all, always sounds daft after you've won something, but I think that's sometimes the best time to build again because you're going in with the confidence that the players who won last year and then see the players come behind them, they probably don't have as much pressure as they would have done if we'd lost this, the league this year. So I definitely think there's scope, this transfer window, to create a wee bit of succession plan of players who are going to come behind those who are kind of either in their prime just now or your Davis. Arfield, Defoe, who 
are kind of getting beyond that stage a wee bit. Oh, you, you, you buy when you're supposed to be, well, supposed to buy when you're strong, right? Or you buy from a position of strength. That makes perfect sense to me as well. Right. Actually, for a quick run through, you would be saying what well, high hopes for Robbie McCrory. I mean, you could take a position on that, but he's supposed to be the long term position for your goalkeeper. And then you've got Parson, who's already shown up really well, and that's why he's right. the, the leading yep. light. So he replaced his tab eventually. Remembering as well that there was succession planning for the back two. So you've got Golden Hollander, Balligan. Actually, you've got Katic and Edmondson. Yeah. Right. Whatever happens with Edmondson and whatever happens with Katic's injury as well. Yeah. And it's it's a pity for Katic because he would have played some this season, and that's part of his development. Actually, he's lost a year at a relatively young age. Yeah. Then you go to the left, you've got Bassi, Bassi for uh, Barisic. Um, and it was interesting to watch Bassi just how far he was bombing on against uh, Cove Rangers. I mean, every yeah. time we got the ball, he was motivated. Yeah. When you get into the midfield, I think the midfield is maybe where we've got the biggest problem, Robbie. Um, mm. Then up front, because you still get a good few years, but for me, Zungu is not the answer in the midfield uh, or in the middle of the park. Can you make a centre-mid, a natural centre-mid out of Joe Rebo? Would you want to and lose that forward penetration? Probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's when you start, to, I suppose, in there, you've got Glenn Kamara, Brian Jack. I think we probably still need, a, for want of a better way of putting it right, because my brain's slow tonight, but a Stephen Davis type in there, somebody who can dictate the game from either right. a midfield position or slightly deeper. That's what we're missing in that squad. And Stephen Davis isn't going to be able to do it you know, forever. And then we're back into the question of what do you do up front? And not that we need to, but do we cash in on any of the assets? Yeah. You know, it's, we are a selling club. Every That's club the in the world is a selling club. You know, there's nothing controversial with that. And if, quite frankly, if big money came in for a TAF, I'd be tempted. No one's thinking, well, I've got a Nathan Patterson. And then you bring in somebody else. No, that's not me saying I want to get rid of Tavern. It's not that, right? He's confounded everybody and had the season of his life. All the critics, myself included, and he's got a championship to look forward to. And he won't want to go because he's got the CL. But these guys are also looking at their careers as well. And we know Rangers won't be paying the same money as an EPL team or anything. Does, you know, would Barisic be the subject? If he's a good Euros, people will absolutely come calling. Yeah. Goldson? You know what I mean? Um, Helland, there's already been speculation in newspapers about him already, although the figures were fairly derisory. Um, and then you're back into that into that midfield. Glenn Kamara, I would be stunned if we don't get some offers. Yeah. yeah. That, he, he's the one for me that I think, especially because he's a regular with Finland and they've gone to the Euro, so he, he'll definitely play. And I'd, I'd be very confident that it'll show up well because I think he's a great player. So he, he's the one for me that I'd fully expect us to receive uh, some awful spot. Him and Barisic for me. Yeah. Barisic, number one Croatian left back. He's yeah. well, he's going yeah. to play all the time as well. And I genuinely, it's not uh, hyperbole, but I do think he's the best deliverer of the ball from the left back position. Arguably in Europe, he's right up there, especially with the ball on the run. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's absolutely phenomenal. And that's Dato's dream as well. Like, see the amount of, of these clubs who have guys doing analysis, but and they'll have the wide scout and all these different databases. He'll, he'll be right up the top end because they might assist in even few goals he gets, and he'll be involved in so many clean sheets as well. See if you were to look at it as a numbers perspective, he'll be right up there. So, again, I agree, he's one that you'd be able to command a, a decent fee for if that ever comes. That, that's so, it. And sorry, Scott, just a very okay. fine point, but 
and they've as much as I, I'd like to be derisory about Scottish football and it's not because it's too easy in terms of other people doing it and they don't really understand the game. There's a lot better quality in our game than people think. Yeah. But these guys have done the, the kind of um, the holy grail of getting a move out of Scotland, if you like. Do it domestically, do it in Europe, do it internationally. So you can look at Barisic or Kamara and say, well, they've done it in the UEL and they've done it for their international, uh, sorry, their, their national squads, teams. Yeah. Um, that's when you start. That's when you start to get offers. And uh, but again, these guys might want to be resisting it because it just depends on who comes in and what the numbers are. Would you want to go to mid-tier Spain, mid-tier Germany, potentially mid to top-tier England, or do you want to stay in front of when they're back in the stadium every other week, fifty thousand fans cheering your name? You're already a hero because you're part of fifty-five, and you've got a chance of getting into the CL. That's that's the conundrum. Rangers might have to shift players on. It might not be the players that make the decision. It might be the board and the management that say, thanks very much for being part of 55. It's maybe best that you go somewhere else. That's the difficult part. So I'm keen to bring it back to numbers. We um, we spoke pre-international break about how the the season, sorry, Roof's season has been a bit stop and start with, with, with injury. And at the weekend, they obviously picked up two goals. Remarkably, 13th and 14th of the season so far. Not bad going for a guy who I think we've already spoke about is not a natural striker. Um, however, you are aware that he has been in and out of the team for injury and it's his first season in the game up here. Robbie, a decent first season for Kemar Roof at Rangers. Definitely. Actually, because I noticed in the commentary they said uh, something like, oh, today it's a, good, it's a good chance for guys like Kemar Roof to show what he can do. I was like, just go these 14 goals. So. <laughs> he, he, I think he's showed a decent amount so far. But I... It, the only sort of disappointment has been the sort of destruction this season is just what we before. But as you said, like for, for him to have came, having not played that much football before he got here, uh, to have a, a slow start in terms of his performances when he came on or, off the bench a couple of times, then he went through that really good spell. I think, I don't know what the numbers were, but he scored a good two goals in yeah. games anyway. Destructive injury again, destructive suspension. So if you were to list all the things that's happened to him by recurring calf injury, Maybe not playing in his natural position up front, if that's what it is, but it certainly bought us a striker, I think. So playing second fiddle to Morelos for most of the season, getting a, a cut of suspensions, and he still scored 14 goals, is a really good return. And I think that when we discuss Kena, what we've done better this year as opposed to last year, that's a huge, huge, it's a huge, huge thing, that the fact that we're able to bring in guys like that, who even when they're probably, like, Nowhere near considered one of the best players this season. Still scored 14 goals, which is a brilliant return. And he's yeah. done so in probably less game time than I hoped. So, like that, him, Haji, Ryan Kent scored more goals this season. These guys are doing it in games where it, it might be a given that you'd expect him to score a, a cut against both, but he's done so in other games where, see, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you're winning, you still need, to, still need to score, still need to win those games. So, he's definitely been a very, very worthwhile signing. And I think that. It's just get nobody will be more frustrated than him, but there's still that wee bit of frustration around him because you're just hoping that he can kind of get over this sort of kick on and ugly injuries that he's got and get a full run in the team. Because if you think your front three are a Kent Morelos and Kemar Roof, very good front three, the best we've had in a, a very long time. Uh, so if we could get them playing for a sustained period, then you're probably. Maybe I was wrong, we probably don't need an striker because we can rely on him. But again, that's probably, I've still just got it in my head that sometimes 
I don't forget we've got them, but you almost forget how good they can be just because it's going in and out. So hopefully he can get a full pre-season behind him. I think that's crucial as well. I'm pretty sure the last two or three years he's not had a full pre-season and I think that can be very overlooked how how important that is. You just need to look at Barisic last uh, last season or season before when he didn't have a full pre-season and looked half the players that he does now. So fingers crossed they can get a few appearances for now at the end of the season, get a full pre-season and it might actually be like another new signing because we're going to get a sort of a full run out of him. Tommy, I was a wee bit surprised that I'm actually scoring 14 goals this season. I, I, I knew he was in, I think I knew he was in double figures, but I was surprised at just how much it was. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything that probably was saying there as well. You know, it's, you're looking for the best of Kmart Roof. There's, there's no doubt the talent, the movement, the intelligence, all that kind of stuff. I, I think he does look pretty rusty. I think he's, he's looked rusty pretty much all season. That's not a criticism, it's just because it's been stop start nature, he's never getting into that flow. Yeah. Um, I think it's absolutely the reason why he put in that horror challenge against Slavia Bragg. I think it was just that was a guy who was rusty in the mind and rusty in the body. Yeah. Totally misjudges the call and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean if and this is off the top of my head, so I might be wrong, but I think in his kind of professional senior career, this from a goal scoring perspective, this would put him that would rank as his third or fourth highest goal scoring season ever. Um, well, he, like, he must be about 27. Oh, I think he's about that, yeah. Yeah, I think he got I think he got something like 26 in League Two. And then he got and I'm I'm trying hard here. I think he got in his first season at Leeds it was something like six. And then he was 14 and 16. Right. In his preceding seasons. And then he he didn't play that much in Belgium for Anderlecht, but he scored six, seven, eight, something like that in 16 games. You're definitely a good club right now. I honestly don't. <laughs> I, I honestly don't. I was looking at it, I was looking at it earlier, that's why it's in my mind. Uh, I've got a good memory for figures. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's right up there. And, you know, that's, that's goals, obviously, uh, in this campaign, he scored domestic and in Europe. Um, so, I don't think there's any doubting these there. I'm like you guys as well. Until I double checked the figures, I wasn't absolutely certain he'd been in double figures for Rangers at all. In all honesty, I'm not going to yeah. hide that. And I think he has fallen out the pecking order a little bit. Uh, I think he was definitely bought because he had something to the squad. He was also a really good purchase to put a wee shot across the bows of Alfredo Morelos, who was in that um, I might be slightly bigger than the club uh, point of his, uh, of his life. But Kmart Roof has to consistently deliver it. Right now, he's, he's not been able to do that because his body's let him down. I'm with Robbie as well. Get yourself a nice, quiet pre-season, rest on the beach, come back, recharge, do the right things for your body, be managed, and hopefully we get to see the, be- the best of them. I still believe, even if he was fit, just to go back to the earlier conversation, because Robbie's referenced it as well, he would not be my stick-on number nine. No. Not uh, I. Even if, if Morel was left, um, I wouldn't actually think, oh, okay, I'll move roof in there and I'll bring somebody else in. I don't think that's his type of game. Mm-hmm. I think he always looks a bit better coming from a clunky way of saying it, but moving around the box and then coming yeah. into it as opposed to being that predatory style. It's just not his game. Um, and I don't think he's naturally able to do the rough and tumble pulling defensive part like Amorelos. Um And I'm not, I, I don't know how the, the combination would set up with him and Itton, but yeah, we're all speaking the same language here, which is, Get a good preseason, come back, hopefully get the injury worries behind him. And he, that's maybe it's just Rangers fans who are always 
go at this because we've got such a bad history. Um, but he came with injury worries. Yeah. He's got injury worries in the past, and you're just worried that the talent's going to get over, overshadowed by the fact that he's playing one game in every 10, one game in every 12. And at which point do you say, right, well, that's not working because you take a game to warm up, another game to warm up, three games to warm up, just as you're starting to get into something, you're breaking down again, you're out from all 12 or whatever. So I, I wish him all the best, but a definite talent, somebody you'd want to keep in the squad. Robbie, there were some eyebrows raised back in January when um, it became apparent that Rangers were looking to bring in Scott Wright. Uh, and at that point, a lot of people felt that it was going to be a move that would happen in the summer. I think because maybe because of guys like Roof and his form in and out of the team, and particularly former Ryan Kent, no one really thought that if he was going to come in, he was going to be uh, a fixture to be used between sort of January and the end of the season. However, we put that deal through and they had a couple of fleeting substitution appearances. He started against Cove at the weekend. Um, and I thought he was very, very good. Looked like he'd been playing for Rangers for years. I agree. I think he's looked very good any time he's played. And I suppose you can make an argument that it, it's easy to come in a team that's winning. But sometimes, sometimes that is difficult as well because there's probably a wee bit more expectation on you because the guy that you're coming on for has been doing brilliant. Like he's playing yesterday in place of a nine ten who has been a, a huge factor in us winning the league. The was surprised, but at, its, at the same time, like. I was at, I was pleased at the time, even though I think the game of the weekend is a perfect example why you need to be conscious of judging a player purely on how many goals he scored, despite being a front three, because he never scored at the weekend, but he was brilliant. I think he had two assists <clears throat> and created plenty more chances. He's one for me that when you watch other players and other teams, I always thought he looked as though he could be playing with a better side. Yeah. And I go back to the point about not judging him on his goals at previous clubs because I don't think you'll get many type of his player playing for Aberdeen and getting as many goals as they would or goals and assists when they play with Rangers just because they're their style of play compared to ours. But I think I was he was the one player who I was thinking before the game, I really hope he starts because he definitely deserves it for, for how he's played in his sub-championship. And he's probably one who will benefit a lot from the fact that we've been able to wrap the league up early because I don't think Gerard when we talk about him having his core sort of fourteen players or whatever that he'll rely on. The way he's played, he, he's definitely going to chub his cylinder and be the, the 15th guy, if you like, because he looked very, very dangerous any time he has played. And he came on in big games. Like, he came on, obviously, the old firm game. Uh, I think he came on a European game as well. So it's not as if you can obviously make the argument that, you know, the weekend was against Cove Rangers, but he's done that on top of good performances Cameo appearances against Celtic, the European game we played, can't quite remember what it was, and other domestic games as well. So it's not as if, you know, I think we've been a lot of Brandon Barker sometimes that when you needed him, he didn't look great, but then you'd maybe see a good 10 minutes spell and think, oh, maybe there is a player in there. He, he's, anytime he's played, despite who it's against, it's looked really, really good. So there's always been talk uh, between him and Patterson about Scotland Corps and stuff as well. Hopefully, if he plays loads between now and the season, I, I don't think he'll be involved in the Euros, but you want as many internationals in your squad as possible. He's one for me that, if you look at Scotland's team, they're, they're no blessed with, with good players in the front, uh, the top end of the pitch. So maybe if he has a good end to the season, gets good pre-season under his belt, and sort of has a good run next year, he's maybe going to be another internationalist we can add to our current squad. 
Tommy, one of the things I, I thought was really interesting listening to Stephen Gerrard post-match at the weekend was that he referred to how well Wright had, had played in the in the tie. Um, he also referred to how he was changing physically since he came down the road, um, which would suggest to me that they see him as a bit of a project long-term, but they're very aware that he can do something for us right now. Yeah, I think they spoke, and I think Scott Wright had spoken about bulking up, yeah, uh, as as well, and gaining that physique. If you want to be a modern a modern football player as well, um, which is maybe something historically Scottish players have struggled with uh, in terms in terms of putting on the right type of muscle and, and having the right physique for the modern the modern game. Um, but yeah, he said, listen, I think I've said this before as well. Young Scottish talent or young talent in the Scottish game. And if Rangers are scooping that up, that's a really good place to be. We've already spoken about Glenn Kamara. You know, we're talking about um, Scott Wright. Brandon Barker was at Hibs as well. Um, Jake Hasty, um, Glenn Middleton. I think the difference, and I'm, again, I'm not having a massive go at those other players, maybe Brandon Barker aside, right? But um, I, I'll never change my position on that, that guy <laughs> and, and, his, and his hair, right? But... You're looking for somebody to, we're talking there about joining a successful team or joining a team that's in the doldrums or whatever, right? It all comes down to mentality. Yeah. And the mentality is if you compare, let's say you compare Scott Wright to Jake Hasty, right? It's maybe slightly unfair, but let's do that. The difference is somebody taking their opportunity, grabbing it with both hands. Scott Wright has grabbed it with both hands, whereas Jake Hasty maybe didn't, and that's why he's maybe out on loan and why he's a question mark appeals over him, can he get back into the fold, can he deliver something for Rangers? Scott Wright's got development to do, I think some decision making in the final third is still a bit strange, in all honesty, and he can release the ball a bit quicker. Is he talented? Absolutely. Does he have the mental toughness? Well, he came back from a really bad injury, uh, and now he's got himself to the Rangers, and he's yeah, taking like a duck to water to it, um, and cycling through playing against teams like Cove Rangers is part of the development. Yes, they're not top tier, but you go out, you beat your man, you keep doing it. You impress the manager, uh, and you, and you keep going there. So it's up to it's all in Scott Wright's hands at the moment. He can just keep working hard, keep trying to keep himself in the manager's plans, and then see where that takes him to next season. He definitely offers us something different uh, up front as well. I, I like his direct running style as well. I like the fact that he's not scared to put a challenge in, yeah. even without that um, um, without that physique that's coming on right now. So. Yeah, Brown, he's probably, if nothing else, really happy that as an attacking player, he's not being asked, uh, as he probably previously was, which, you know, to uh, his, his former club to drop into left back and then share it along with the big guy. Man Mark. Man Mark. Man Mark, their keeper. Drop in and make it a back seven. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's probably happy to be in a team. You know, joking aside, that plays really good attacking football, dominates games, gives him the ability to use that pace that he's got as well. Yeah, all credit to the boy. He's taking his opportunities so far. Just needs to keep do, you know, doing that uh, and listening to the management team. But he's definitely a really, really, um, really interesting player to watch. And again, just to look at that back, young, talented, Scottish, hungry, picked up for peanuts. That's... That's an encapsulation of one of the central parts of your business model. If you want to be a successful club, dominate your internal market when it comes to um, picking up players. And over, you know, Jake Hasty aside, maybe, right? And I hope the boy comes good, right? But we'll see. 
over the last what two cycles, Rangers have managed to get Scott Wright and Glenn Kamara for peanuts. That's really good business sense. That's really, really good business sense. And strangely enough, when Ross Wilson went to Southampton, and also if I remember correctly, in his very first interview, when he was coming to Rangers as well, strangely enough, he mentioned the exact same thing. Dominate your internal market first. Pick up the best that you can in your internal market. Then you start to look in other places because you know and they know what they're playing in. And then you've got two types of players. You've got your domestic players and then maybe you know, your higher level players. But it's all part of the framework that we're looking to do. Yeah, good one, Scott Wright. Hope he continues. Robbie, another sort of big, bright, shining light from the weekend for me, and this will be the last time we'll see in the Cove game before we move into the look ahead to the next round, um, has to be the performance of, of Nathan Patterson. I would argue that if there is a better right back in the country, perhaps... In fact, certainly not including the guy who he's deputising for just now. I'm not entirely sure who he is. And if Stevie Clark is indeed looking for someone to go to the Euros as his first choice right back, he could do a hell of a lot worse than look at what Nathan Patterson is doing for Rangers right now. I, I, I thought it was brilliant again. And then we, we've obviously sang his praises uh, on here. And the, the only unfortunate thing for him is he's playing behind one of the most consistent performers in the last five years. Yeah. There is a negative side to that, but there's a positive side as well because there's no better example to have than James Tavernier because the consistency he brings, the way I'm assuming he looks after himself physically because he's very, obviously he's injured just now, but very, very, really injured. Never suspended, there's never any sort of bad press about him. And one of the biggest things and probably most underrated things about him is how well he's came back to adversity that he's faced over the last three, four years. He's obviously, well, I think he's the only guy in the current squad who uh, was with us in our championship season with Walbert, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, Patterson had his own troubles recently, uh, not football-related as such, but he, he just needs to look at the guy in front of him and say that this guy came under a lot of criticism for different things, but he still did, and he's been able to come back stronger and, and be one of the key players in, in Darwin Trophy. So, there's a negative side to playing behind James Darwin there, but a positive side to it as well. But back to his performance, I think, again, similar to Scott Wright, one, it's easy to say that he was playing against a side in League One. But he just continued on with performances he's gave us in other domestic games against Premiership side, as well as positive performances in Europe as well. And the good thing about it is we Tommy's talking about sort of transfer and business model we'll have, but it's a system of playing playing model as well. I don't think there's any coincidence that the right back that we've got come through the youth system is very similar to the right back we've got in the first team. And that's what you want to see. You want to see that the guy's ready. To, to take on the role of the one who's there in front of him. Has he got do we expect him to come in next season and score seventeen goals? Obviously not, but we would expect him to, to have a huge impact in what we do in our attacking sense and he's, up, he's definitely done that. Obviously got his goal at the weekend, albeit against Cove Rangers, but also got one in Europe as well. So yeah. he showed that he can do it in a bigger occasion as well as doing it smaller ones. And sometimes that's a test of character as well. There's, you hear you hear it spoken about all the time, like it's easy to get your up for a European game in an old firm, not so much against playing against a side who was playing the Island League two years ago. He seems as always a guy that any time he's playing someone who's got right, he wants to take the opportunity of that. Uh, talking about whether uh, Steve Carter will look at him, I, I don't think he'll be considered for Euros. I think it is a wee bit too soon, partly because he's obviously going to get his ban between now and the end of the season. So yeah. I know that's been a field when that 
gets heard again, I'm not too sure. Uh, should probably have looked that up before I came on tonight. I don't think it's been announced yet, to be honest. Oh, I don't think it has, no. I looked it up, and I know that we don't know when it's going to get seen to again. Uh, <laughs> but there's a good chance that he might only play once or twice between now and the end of the season. But you'd certainly say going forward, he's somebody will consider. Uh, especially when you think the sort of style Scotland are playing with a 3 5 2, I'd, see, I'd like to think he's somebody who'd be very suited to being a wing back. Even if no, though, he's a good full back. He's uh, only 19, performing well at the best club in the country. so Again, he's another one I'd love to see break out in the last team because it's probably for, it's probably for any player. It's, it's good exposure. Uh, it's good sort of experience of playing in high pressure games. And it just goes, it, it looks obviously good on our academy and what we're doing as a club. So fingers crossed it does break into that squad, albeit I don't think it will be this summer. Tommy, it's a real reflection of the riches that he has in the squad this season when his, his backup for his captain and arguably star man, perhaps even player of the season, um, absolutely plays out with his skin and everyone's speaking about him when he comes in as backup. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's been phenomenal. Uh, and he's, if you were being slightly more po-faced about that, you'd say all he's doing is showing why there's such good noise around about him and such faith in him at the academy level and the first team level. Yeah. So it does show that the, the right people are being identified within the club, uh, you know, we are developing really good players. Um, you know, you would want a slew of players. That's not how football academies work. We've got some of these in there. And it comes back to that succession conversation we're having at the start as well. We have a natural su- successor for our own captain and somebody who's fundamental to the way we play and play it in the same way. So it's not just that, oh, he's a good defender and he gets forward. So he's not quite like Tav. Well, I actually know he's very much like Tav. He gets really far forward. He's getting better and better at his deliveries. And he's really young. He's Scottish. I think he's tied down to a relatively long deal as well. So it does allow us to play slightly harder ball with James Tavernier as well. And comes back to that. So I'm, you know, Robbie's covered some of the on-field stuff. So I'm just trying to take a slightly different view when I talk about the balance sheet, right? In terms of, it allows you to then say, okay, what, at what point, because succession's all very well and good. Right? It's a great phrase and everybody loves to say it. I, I, I like saying it as well. It's a nice word as well. Right? Um, and a very good series as well, if anybody watches it. <laughs> I right? um, highly recommend it, right? But, um, but uh, I was never a big fan of Brian Cox when I watched that series. Things actually really good. So anyway, neither here nor there, right? Um, and, you know, weirdly enough, just a bit of trivia, he was the original, I didn't know this until recently, he was the original Hannibal Lecter. Brian Cox was? He played Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter, I think was the name of the movie. It was the first time that Hannibal Lecter was on screen, and it was Brian Cox that they chose before Anthony Hopkins came along for Silence of the Lambs. Can I be brutally honest with you? I actually just about said, you're not possibly talking about the professor guy. <laughs> Aye, that's what I thought when you first said. <laughs> no, I was definitely, this film no, I was definitely talking about <laughs> He drums people to death, right? And things, <laughs> things can only get better as he's eating them, right? Um, Oh, uh, no, seriously, Brian Cox. I, I didn't, I didn't realise that he played Hannibal Lecter. Um, Alan Sheet, Tavernier. Yes, back, back to James, back to James Tavernier. But, but it does, uh, you know, that small digression, right? Which I was doing because it was allowing me to put my thoughts in order. But it does allow you to play hardball because you can see we've got a natural successor here who's already taken their opportunity. So Nathan Parson is not the type of youngster now that needs to go on loan. 
he's the type of youngster who's in the first team squad and is already pushing for that place. And there's there's a distinction there between people like a Robbie McCrory who had to go out on loan because they couldn't dislodge. Yep. Whereas Nathan Parson, I think, would have been used anyway, even if James Tavernier wasn't injured. They would have just swapped in and out every so often, you know, once the league title was obviously over uh, over the line. And that's a good place to be. So then Stephen Gerrard and the management team have got a question mark in the summer, which is, if a decent offer comes in, do you punt James Tavernier? He's not getting any younger. You've got somebody who could do that and do you then bring in somebody else to sit behind Nathan Patterson? These are good things that you want to run about your club. And I'm not mandating you sell James Tavernier, but this is the right way to, to go about it. And to Robbie's, I think, wider point that he made earlier as well, is other youngsters, maybe not even in Scotland, but abroad, are looking at our academy and saying they've ploughed a lot of money in, they play in a particular way, it's really attractive, you get your opportunity and you can be playing in Europe. This might be the, you know, we've done that with people like Bassey and stuff like that. This might be a place I want to go because I've got a chance to break into the first team and even sexier for these, you know, foreign lads, so to speak. I've got a chance that if I do that, I might get some European exposure because ultimately, you know, they want to progress in their careers as well. And whilst everybody believes uh, quite rightly that Rangers are the biggest club in the world, there are riches to be had out there in different leagues. So this is all to the good and having a a good, young, stable boy who's maybe had the opportunity to learn a detailed lesson about taking a profession seriously, yeah. um, as opposed to going to parties. That's that's a really, really good news story. Um, the next iteration is push James Tavernier out of his position. So listen, I need to come back to that because you've covered a lot there, but I think the big thing for me is, and I'm just going to ask this, if you're sitting at Ibrox in the summer and you're sitting in the big blue chair with a big red button beside you and someone comes to you and says, I'll give you 15 million for James Tavernier, do you accept it? Well, I think that question was to you, Robbie. No, uh, it was definitely but... you, Thomas. <laughs> I can tell it was not. <laughs> it was worth it just for that look on your face there. Well, it really was. <laughs> Bro, we, we need to get that as a still. That's the thumbnail for the pod. Um, an awkward moment of my podding career yet. <laughs> that could be a meme. Definitely a meme. Um, but uh, it would need to be more than 15 million. But I would certainly... Even when he was in his last year, his contract next season. I would yeah, I still think at that point. I think he's in his last year, isn't he? He is in his last year. But I still think you could, for a marauding right back who's, who's been doing it in Europe as well, I think you'd probably get more than that. I, I could happily be challenged on that. The question is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not entertain the conversation. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great question, isn't it? Right, what would yeah. you do, Robbie? He might be watching. <laughs> it may be. He may, listen, we'll get along one week and he can tell us himself. <laughs> Come on, James and Taylor have signed the new deal. That's so, put our gas See, this, this, I'm kind of no direct answer on your question, right? But well, there's, there's you've been listening to the too much. <laughs> but I would actually be more inclined. See, I'm saying that, but there's no as much a ready replacement. Steve Patterson was a left back, <laughs> which is no. I would actually be more. <laughs> That's a terrible answer. Terrible start. 
<laughs> I'd be more. No, what I'm going, I get slated off Rob every week. <laughs> he's essentially taking a question about a right back and went, see if he's a left back. That would be something different. I'm, I'm not letting this stand at all. See, see if Barton wants his week up at Root as a rock star. What I was going to say is, I, I would, I, I probably would, I, I would be very tempted. I'd be very tempted, and and I love uh, Tavernier, but yeah. what what I was going to say is I would be I would rather keep him than Barisic personally, but because the because the question is sort of relative to Patterson is why it doesn't matter what I think of Barisic. So <laughs> obviously I really like Barisic, but I, I would rather keep Tavernier than Barisic. So if it was a choice between the two of them, I would rather cash in, cash in on Barisic despite the fact we've got Patterson waiting. Because I still think it's very easy to get excited about the fact that, which, which I'm, I'm getting excited about how he's shown up, but it's very easy to get excited about the fact that, you know, a 19-year-old youth graduate has played six or seven good games. Going from that to replacing what Tavernier's given us this season in particular is a very, very hard ask. Uh, and I think his influence is sort of as much as I'm saying I think Goldson's for the year, Tavernier's influence is kinda of unrivaled in the squad. So but for somebody in the last year of their contract at twenty eight to get offered north of fifteen million, I think as a club you'd you'd need to consider it because people always look negatively on the thought of selling players, but I don't think we should. Look where we're at as a club, you look at clubs of our stature and they've got to higher levels than us because they've done this a lot better than we have. And listen, we we've it's something that we've been very poor at for the last twenty years. If you look at if you were to write our best eleven from 2000, 2000, 2000 to two thousand twenty one, write our best eleven, you probably wouldn't there's probably about three or four of them we've actually got a good transfer fee a good transfer fee for and it yeah, yeah. Uh, so if that's something that we can do going forward, I don't think it's a bad thing because, as I say, if you look at clubs throughout Europe, who we've probably got a similar reputation to in terms of league trophies won, similar type of leagues throughout the play in terms of the standard, teams that we could compete with on the pitch. But if you look at their business model and how they've been able to improve their standings as a club, like that Ajax, Benfica, teams like that, I don't think they're light years away from us currently. We've obviously seen that with, with played Benfica. Twice, uh, we played Benfica twice recently, Porto twice recently. But you look at the the money these these teams have been able to bring in and what they've been able to do on the back of that. Ajax as well. See if we're able to do that for a couple of examples. Then it just it makes that whole lot easier to negotiate going forward because people always use the example of like Celtic get seven million for Armstrong uh, in the last year's contract. They then go uh, how how they get twenty five million for Tierney when. He was injured all those games. I'm like, the reason they were able to get that money for him is because they can go to an Arsenal and say, we sold Van Dijk for this amount of money and then Southampton made £60 billion on the back of that. We sold Wanyama to Southampton. They made this on the back of that, got to Tottenham. They've sold Arsenal for that, who could then go for, for more money if he was to move on again. So I just think that if we're able to build up a sort of portfolio of players that we say, look, we brought in this player for 200 grand for sold for 15 million. We brought this player from Dundee for 50 grand sold for 15 million. We brought this player for a youth academy who we can then go on to sell. I just think that 
going forward, it can do a lot more good than it would do negatively if we were to lose one key player and win that the window. So that's it. I think that Tavernier, I wouldn't want to lose, but if you look at the story of bringing a guy for 200 grand and selling him for north of 15 million, what that could do for the club going forward, I think, could be very, very important. So I don't think it's something that, that we couldn't not consider that club, especially, as you say, in the last series contract. Brilliant stuff. I love that. I love that's that. a very long answer, isn't it? No, but I, I, think, I think you're right. I mean, I, I do think he needs to work on his left foot. Um, <laughs> I started so poor. I don't know how I came away with that. If Cavalier was a forward, then that, that would uh, that would sort out our, our, our previous question. Oh, Robbie, you're not going to forget that one, chum. You nah, definitely will not. So, we're all, speaking, my worst, yeah. we're all speaking the same language there, and you can, you know, whatever flavour or whatever phraseology you want to use, portfolio of assets, or you want to talk about player trading, or you want to talk about. But you know, block understanding of the transfer acumen and all that kind of stuff. It's all about player trading. Every business, every club has to understand that there is no player in the squad who can't be sold or wouldn't be sold for the right levels of money. It's about balancing those two things. Yeah. The business need versus the team need. So the off pitch versus the on pitch. And Robbie's absolutely right. You know, and trust me when I say I am not one to get excited about anything. Um, very early in life. Nathan Parsons had a good start. In Canada, could fall off, could make a mistake again off the pitch, one maybe more serious. He could have a bad injury, God forbid. You know, we've seen we've seen a lot of that. And so Tav's in the driving seat right now. And I suppose the, the question, maybe not to be answered right now because we've spoken about it at length, but the question would be, if you entertained that, and you, let's say you've got 16, 17 million for James Tavernier, right? Um, would you naturally then immediately say Nathan Parson is first choice right back, or would you go back into the market and get somebody more experienced? Because that's another subset of the question. There might be somebody out there who's even better, and then you're looking at, all right, does Nathan Parson get, get first stab at it purely because he's come through the academy and he's cycled through some good games? Mm-hmm. Okay, but if somebody else is better out there, then I have no love for Nathan Patterson. You know, I'm all about the right person in the right jersey winning trophies for Rangers. And that's not me criticising Nathan Patterson. I'm just saying there's so many permutations you could drive yourself to distraction about it. Right now, if an offer comes in, let's see what the offer is and show the colour of your money. But to Robbie's point, because I think it's well made, having that portfolio, I'll use, use that word to get the next word as well, or that catalogue of previous sales, yeah. um, to be able to show not only what you sold them for, because that's a bit of a false narrative, I suppose, it's the ability for them then to go and perform in those other leagues. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why Celtic were so, so good at it for so long. And backing that up with Champions League, you know, it can't probably be overstated, not just from a cash in the hand, but from a squad's perspective, how getting into the group stages of the Champions League, how important that is mm-hmm. uh, next season. So, I mean, if Rangers could do that and then those players, any players perform in the CL, it's a wholly different bracket of teams that are looking at you and they're willing to open their checkbooks from the ones in the, even the UEL. That's, it cannot be overstated. It's, it's an absolute galaxy. Away. Um, and, you know, and I sense that as a business, we would use that money and that uh, transfer acumen better than, you know, our city rivals who pretty much squandered it on... Shapes and barriers and disco lights and God knows what, right? But 
There you go. If they did, if they did, sorry, just to bookend that, if they would have played the money that came into Celtic, for example, it's a Rangers podcast, I don't particularly want to talk about Celtic, right? But they're a good analogy here of getting it wrong, uh, which is one of the things I do like to talk about them. They were getting that CL money all the time and they were making big transfer fee profits as well. And yet they absolutely blew it. They blew it. You know, they, they should have been able to spend their way out of trouble completely. Yeah. But Rangers were smarter, were hungrier, were more strategic and outdid them whilst they were burning money thinking that they would, they would have silver for the rest of their lives. Um, that's how you not do it. We have to be smarter, but getting into that CL is the absolute key for us. And I will stop the us. Scott's ascension. You want to move on as well, Tommy. The draw for the next round of the Scottish Cup was made um, before the Cove game um, at the weekend, and it, it did indeed pair us with our good friends from across the city. Um, we've got them for a home tie Ibrox. I think the seventeenth of April. I think that date's still to be set in stone and kickoff times, etc. Listen, there's no two ways about it. It's the real opportunity for Rangers to absolutely put a pin in their season, quite literally this season, um, and and have them all looking forward to wherever it is they go in the summer, um, sometime mid-April, with still four or five games left to go of their season. Um, I'm desperate to actually do them at Ibrox in a couple of weeks. You know that? I really am. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm on record all the time. I care about trophies. I will take getting beaten in the last old firm game of the season if we beat them in a cup game. S- simple as that. Yep. I don't particularly have any any great attraction to unbeaten runs and all that kind of stuff. They don't hand out trophies for that. Rangers are built on silverware, not on you know that type of record. Um, so I'm, I'm not, not really bothered about it. If somebody gave me the gun to the head scenario, it's turn them over in the cup, end their, end their season in terms of any any competitions that they entered, any chance of winning it. And how nice that would be, you know, completely completely taken apart, completely falling apart as well. And I'm more in the taken apart than the falling apart. Don't believe any other narrative that Celtic imploded. They were taken apart. Yeah. You know, they weren't allowed to rest and we, we turned them over. We took the championship away from them. I will never get tired of saying that. <laughs> the most glorious championship that they were desperate for. We reached into their chest and for those of a bit older vintage, we'll know Callie Ma and ripped it right out of them. Have you ever seen uh, Indiana Jones? Uh, and, and took it out of them, you know, took the heart right out of them. And if we can then say you won't even be looking forward to any other appearances at Hamden Great. this season as well, all the better. Um, yep. So I, I'll happily, happily take that. I think they'll be of the same mindset as well. It's the last thing they've got to play for. Uh, how pleasing it is to say that as well. Last thing they've got to play for, they want to turn up and make a statement. They're they're staring down the barrel of Stephen Gerrard, double winner, and you know they they'll be desperate. Um, I, I I think we we can obviously win the tie. That's that's no great yep. great shakes. Actually, we've not played amazingly in the last two from games. No, nope. it has to be said and come out with what four points. Yep, we'd <laughs> like to think that we we can uh, can actually um, can actually just. Well, I'm not going to say we just turn up, right? But um, I, I like to think we'll do a performance there as well, and uh, not a not a sale to get Ibrooks in the one 0 game, pat in the head. Oh, well done! You you get the we played better trophy, but yeah, you know, we're Rangers would keep points. Thanks very much. Um, but yeah, so it's it's an interesting tie. It makes it it makes it sexy. I'd, you know, part of me wishes it was the final, 
Well, if we can spank them out early, oh, it will be a tough game. It will be a tough game, right? But if we can put them out early and end their season, um, you know, bury the Scottish Cup hopes alongside Terry Monroe, then uh, <laughs> all, all the all the better. Um, yeah, bring it on. So, Robbie, we spoke about something off air before we started, and the, the one thing I that. I felt over the last couple of games when Ryan Jack hasn't played as we've missed a little bit of protection in front of the back four in the games against Celtic. Not necessarily the other games, but I think he has been particularly useful when he's played in that role, just kept a bit of um, rigidity in there. If he misses the game in two weeks' time and perhaps the the next game after that, I just wonder what we go with if we maintain that three in the centre of the park. I don't know if I'm the best guy to ask. I'm going to say play parts and centre mid or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Uh, and Tommy touched on it. Two of the last few films have not been great. Uh, listen, we've won, but I think there's lessons to be learned for that. Uh, if you look back to last season, there was obviously talk how we were the sort of better team in the cup final than the game at Parkhead. They went on to win the league, uh, but the, the warning signs were there. And the difference was they didn't do anything about it. They had this sort of overconfidence and didn't change anything. Whereas I've got confidence that, that we've got a better management team than that and that we will make sort of small tweaks and adjustments. I definitely think from my last old firm we'll need to change, I, I don't know, if, make, make minor tweaks anyway because there's no doubt that they exploited a potential weakness in us by sort of how, how narrow we play and there's a, an opportunity to exploit us in, in the fullback area. Uh, and for that reason, I think you made a good point of who we're going to play in the middle of the park because in those examples, I think I spoke about it uh, a few weeks ago, our right and centre mid are so important how we play and the amount of ground that they need to cover yeah. in our games is really, really difficult. And it's it's why, for me, Glenn Kamara is probably is in the conversation for the year because he does that so well, what he does off the ball. But it's who's going to do it on the other side. I think Davis and Kamara picked ourselves, and it's who's going to do it on that uh, on that right hand side. For me, I think whoever plays next week against Hibs will be telling. I think whoever plays that third centre midfield position is who will probably play in the whole match, depending on how they perform on that day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as you rightly said, obviously talking off here, I think uh, he's favoured Aribo a couple of times in, in those games. For this next one, I'm not too sure that that's the decision that I would take. I'd probably feel I'd be a bit more comfortable uh, playing Arfield as the third centre mid. The only sort of negative against that is his form's not been great since his injury. Before that, I thought he was doing really well. Yeah. But since his injury, he's probably not uh, at the sort of heights that he was hitting at the start of the season. But he's one of those as well that I think you've kind of got a bit of trust in, in big games. And even when he's not playing well, he'll still give you sort of good position. I know it's cliche stuff, but he'll dig in. He, his position is normally good. He seems to be a, an intelligent player. His off-the-ball runs are really good. Likewise, defensively, his movement's really good as well. So for me, I'd probably favour him because the difference between him and Aribo is, as I was saying, Aribo, I think we, we can all be honest, like, he's got loads of ability, but the consistency probably hasn't been there as much as we would hope. I, I think you'll see the best out of him in a front three to put in the middle of the pitch, especially games against the likes of Celtic or in Europe because you might need to do a wee bit more coming back to me. Uh, so for me, the difference with the two of them is if, either, if both of them were to not play well 
in the middle of the pitch, I think Arfield will probably give you more in terms of what he'll do going back the way and things like his off the ball movement. So for me personally, I would go Arfield to third midfielder, but I generally think it's a toss-up. I, I couldn't predict it, so that's how all, all I would say is whoever plays next week, I think will be telling. I think if Arfield plays against Hibs and plays really well for 90 minutes, then I think he'll get the nod. Likewise, if it's Aribo, then I think he'll probably go with him. So I think it will be very interesting to see the lineup uh, on Sunday. That's what it is, isn't it? Sunday. Tommy, I wonder if, and just think about this here, I wonder if there's a possibility that we could do it as, as opposed to maybe getting us to think about them, get them to think about us, and potentially start with Hadji, so that any time we do have the ball, we'll go to a three behind Morelos up front and leave Davis and Kamara to shepherd things up at the back. Possibly. Uh, though I suppose you could play that back and say, start with right. Perhaps. His running ability is more dangerous than Hadji's. Yeah. He's shown that he can get into the right positions. He certainly did enough uh, against Cove Rangers to be part of the conversation for the, the Hibs game. Yeah. So, and you could actually allow that funneling back to create um, more people in the midfield as well because he doesn't ball he, So he doesn't have a problem doing the, the dirty work yeah. in terms of tracking back as well. And, you know, I know Hadji does too, but I'm just thinking that power running um, might, might come into play as well when you drop Hadji in later on in terms of finding pockets of space with tired tired defence. Sure. There's something, you know, potentially in there. Um, I would actually, hmm, it's a tough one actually. Who would I, I'm just trying to think through it logically as well. Would I prefer a Hadji or a Scott Wright to start? Um, I might actually go with Scott Wright on that one. And that's not a criticism of Yanis uh, Hadji who's been playing particularly well too. Yeah. I agree with Robbie's points in terms of Joe Rebo, who I I think I'm on record of saying uh, I'm a massive, massive fan Pretty of. Fun. But he's consistently hasn't been there, and that's that's fine. You know that happens. It depends whether you set up with that. So I, I agree with you guys that um, Kamara and uh, Stephen Davis write themselves into the you know they're sewn into their jerseys. So yeah, one a better phrase. So they are movable. <clears throat> Stephen Gerrard doesn't naturally have a problem with Bongani Zungu. So if he's fit. You never know. I certainly wouldn't. I think he slows the play down and some of his decision-making uh, and the positions he takes up is really poor. He's not one that I want right? at, at Rangers. I'm just not a fan. So then if I was going through that, I'd probably land on the same as Robbie that I'm looking, I'm thinking, mm, start the game, bit of blood and thunder to begin with and a wee bit of intelligence in the house and maybe go with Scott Arfield. But it depends what you're going to do up front. Do you go with, you know, Roof um, is, is fit? Do you go Roof and Morelos? And Kent, do you start to change it up there? Will Cedric Itting come back into the start lineup? No, he won't, right? So, we'll <laughs> in. Um, so, so then you're starting to look at it. But Scott Wright's done enough to, to put himself in that conversation. And actually, the more I think about it as I'm talking, yeah, I could, I could see Scott Wright filling in on there. Um, and then you've got a little bit more flexibility because him and uh, Kent can also switch much like Hadji and Kent do as well. And you go with Morelos up top himself. Uh, there you go. That's that's how I think that would that potentially work out. I, I wouldn't be against that either because I talk about like I think it was it was telling the last old firm game there that they seen our full battery a particular right hand side that day as a weak point and because of that it was lax out that was left back that day. Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. 
at least your keys was getting forward a lot that day. <laughs> uh, so see if you want to have a Scott Wright in the team. That's kind of one way of counteracting that because I, I always think that one of the reasons that teams are more likely to attack us down our right-hand side is because you're less fearful of who's playing on the right as opposed to Ryan Ken. So whether it's Haji, Kamar Roof, Joe on the right-hand side, if you were to leave them to exploit space, you're probably not as worried if you were to do so with Ryan Ken. However, mm-hmm. Scott Wright was to be playing, you, you certainly wouldn't be worried about it because you get pace to burn. So, but as I'm saying, well, I think that we kind of need to be a wee bit wary the last couple comes that uh, two of the last deal comes. Uh, no, it was the last two, sorry. Yeah. We didn't play as well as we had in other ones. They need to have your confidence in, in our management team doing something about that. We actually done it the first deal come at Parkhead, where if you think back, the, the 2 0 game, our fullbacks didn't actually get very high that day. They were actually a wee bit more conservative. So I do think that it's something they probably will have their eye on. Whether that means that fullbacks will not go as high or maybe will go with two sitters opposed to one. Maybe Scott Wright will come in. I don't know what it will be, but I do think there will be some kind of tweak as opposed to the last couple of games because listen, there's nothing better than not playing your best and still coming away with the result, whether that's a win or a draw. But I still think there's a lesson to be learned in every poor performance, whether you win or not, because you can win by playing bad once, twice, three times, but you don't want it to become a sort of recurring team, which it's not. We are just now by any stretch, but the only reason it never gets to that stage nine times out of ten is because you've done something about it before you allow that to happen. As I said, I think we've got a very good management team, so I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of minor tweaks in how we approach the game to maybe we've done the last couple. So listen, before we wrap it up for, for this week, um, I'd like to take the opportunity to, to congratulate the women's team on the return to competitive action over the weekend. Of course, 6-0 victory um, against Hearts across at Orium at the weekend. Um, very convincing indeed. I would direct you to the women's pod that we're doing now on a fortnightly basis. And last week, Willie Boyd was lucky enough to get an hour of the head coach, Malky Thompson's time. Excellent chat, great content in there. And I recommend you dink in there and have a look alongside all the rest of our incredibly free content. We've got interviews in there with Ronald DeBoer, Amoruso, Bugera's in there. I got a chat with Ian Durant, which everyone knows about, I think, by now. And we also have a, a wee special thing with a Guy Comendietta in there too. Um, Pretty sure you've got the transcript of that, Gerard. Uh, it's not written down. It's just it's, tattooed it's, on your back. It's, it's, all, <laughs> it's all in here. It's all in here. Um, Robbie, thanks again for coming on. Thoroughly enjoyed your company again, mate. Well done. Thanks for having me, mate. Thank you. And and Tommy, we do it all again next week. I hope you have a fantastic week. Good luck to to Rangers on on Sunday with the first game of a completely meaningless split against Hibernian. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, to <laughs> so don't forget, we do it all again next week. We look forward to your company. Good luck to Rangers at the weekend. And until next week, good night. Fire's raging, I'm shaking. You want to go?